Hello and welcome to Cornerstone Presbyterian Online. My name is Campbell Markham, one of the pastors here at Cornerstone, and it's my great joy and privilege to be preaching today from Revelation chapter 14, looking especially at the first three verses. Please have your Bibles open in front of you so that you can follow along. At high school, I was a music scholarship student and I played the trumpet and the piano, which I loved. The downside to being a muso was that choir was compulsory. And every Tuesday, we had to stay back at school for an hour and a half of choir practice. Miss Ashurst, our talented choir mistress, was always a little bit terrifying. I can't tell you how much I hated compulsory choir. But I can tell you that during one rehearsal, when I was seated at the back in front of an open window, when I could see that Miss Ashurst wasn't looking at me at that moment, that I fell out of that window. And I snuck down to the bike racks and took my bike and rode home. And later that night, every time the phone rang, I was terrified that it was Miss Ashurst calling my parents to tell them what I had done. Now, if you're a Christian and you too dislike choir singing, then you and I are going to have to deal with that. Because the Bible tells us that in heaven, we're going to be singing together a lot. And we will be singing a song which the Bible calls a new song. Have a look there at Revelation chapter 14, verses 1 to 3. Then I looked, and there before me was the Lamb standing on Mount Zion, and with him 144,000 who had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. And I heard a sound from heaven like the roar of rushing waters and like a loud peal of thunder. The sound I heard was like that of harpists playing their harps, and they sang a new song before the throne and before the four living creatures and the elders. No one could learn the song except the 144,000 who had been redeemed from the earth. In heaven, we will sing a new song. But this new song is not just for our distant future. It is a song that we begin to sing right now. And that is the message of today's sermon. Sing a new song. Come and sing the new song that Jesus Christ calls you to sing. Now, what is the new song? It is the roar of rushing waters. It is a loud peal of thunder. It is the sound of harps. The harp is one of the symbols of Ireland, and it's the symbol of Guinness, which is also a symbol of Ireland. But before it was the symbol of Ireland, it was the symbol of King David, who was so skilled on the harp that he could lull demons to sleep. The sweet harpist of Israel composed well over 100 of the Psalms, those inspired and beautiful songs of praise that we find in the center of our Bibles. Now, in the Bible, the harp 
always accompanies praise for the Lord. And that is what it is doing here. The harp is being used to accompany God's people and their praises before his throne and before the four living creatures that we, we saw at the start of the book of Revelation and the 24 elders around his throne. These praises are played vivace, fortissimo, loudly and with enthusiasm and gusto, like rushing water, like loud peals of thunder. Think of King David, who danced before the Lord in 2 Samuel chapter 6 with all of his might. He leapt and danced before the Lord in his tremendous joy for all that the Lord had done. And that is what the new song is like. It is a great song of praise sung fervently before the Lord. Now, why is it called a new song? The Bible is filled with songs, but surely the 150 Psalms in the middle of our Bibles hold a special place in our hearts. They are God-breathed songs. They are perfect, inspired, powerful and precious. And yet, they fall short. How do the Psalms fall short? Well, they fall short because they looked forward to the coming of Jesus. The Psalmists, including David, saw a shadow of the Jesus who was to come. What Paul calls the shadow, the shadow of the things that were to come, the shadow of the coming Christ and his work. That's what David saw. That's what David sung about, the shadow of the future Christ. And that's why we are more blessed than David, because although he looked forward to a shadow, to something that hadn't yet come, we look past we look back to the reality that cast that shadow. Psalm 22 is a shadow of Jesus on the cross. We have seen the reality. Psalm 24 is a shadow of Jesus' coronation. We have seen the reality. Psalm 16 is a shadow of Jesus' resurrection. We have seen the reality. This is by no means to think less of the inspired and infallible Psalms. It is to see them in their place in God's unfolding redemption plan. And that is why we have a new song to sing. We look back to see the death and the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus. We look back to the living reality of those tremendous events and we respond with a new song. As Paul said in Ephesians 5, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Now, who sings this new song? Revelation tells us that it is a choir of 144,000. Revelation is a book of symbols and symbolic numbers. What does that number mean? Remember that there were 12 tribes in the nation of Israel. And by the time of the Exodus, those 12 tribes amounted to some 2 million people. Now, multiply those 12 tribes by 12, as though the entire nation was itself just as one tribe. And that will give you, of course, 144 tribes. Now multiply that by a thousand. And this symbolizes the total and immense number of the saved. The saved before Jesus' coming and the saved after Jesus' coming. More numerous than the stars in the Milky Way and more numerous than the sand on all the white beaches of the world. Please don't think that there will only be a few people in heaven. God promised to save a vast and uncountable number and again and again Revelation shows us fulfillment of that promise. If you're a Christian, you're one of those 144,000. You no longer bear the mark of the beast, 666. Instead, you have the Father's name written on your forehead. I hope that your baptism will be a reminder of that. It should be. Whether you were baptised as a baby or as a teenager, as an adult, you were baptised in the name of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit. And that means you were marked out as belonging to Father, Son and Spirit, as belonging to the heavenly choir of the 144,000. We should always think back to our baptism, whether we can remember, remember it or not, and remember that by our baptism, we bear God's name and we belong to him and that we are part of that heavenly choir that sings that new song of praise. Now, why do we sing a new song? Well, look there at verse 3. We sing that new song because we have been redeemed from the earth. And to be redeemed is to be purchased at a price. Slaves could be purchased and brought into freedom. And Paul says that as Christians, we were purchased by the blood of Jesus and freed from our slavery to sin, freed to live as God's sons and daughters. And we see it there in Revelation 14 verse 4. We should sing this new song because he has purchased us from among mankind and offered us as first fruits to God and to the Lamb. As Israel joyfully brought the first fruits of their harvest to God, Jesus joyfully brings us to God as the fruit of his labour. Now, Revelation 14 was read to us earlier in this service. And you will have heard the most awful descriptions of hell and final judgment. 
in Revelation 14. Look there at verse 10, which describes the awful state of the damned, of those who die without Jesus Christ. They will drink the wine of God's fury, which has been poured full strength into the cup of his wrath. They will be tormented with burning sulphur in the presence of the holy angels and of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment will rise forever and ever. There will be no rest day or night for those who worship the beast and its image or for anyone who receives the mark of its name. And later in the same chapter, we read one of the saddest pictures of Jesus' return and his condemnation of those who are without him at his return. Look there at verse 18. And an angel called in a loud voice to him who had the sharp sickle. Take your sharp sickle and gather the clusters of grapes from the earth's vine because its grapes are ripe. The angel swung his sickle on the earth, gathered its grapes, and threw them into the great winepress of God's wrath. They were trampled in the winepress outside the city, and blood flowed out of the press, rising as high as the horse's bridles for a distance of 1,600 stadia. Brothers and sisters, we sing a new song of praise because we've been redeemed from that awful judgment, that awful condemnation. Jesus has rescued us from that. And he didn't rescue us from our judgment by overlooking our sin and the punishment we deserved, but by taking that punishment upon himself. He took your place in the winepress of God's judgment. He was trampled in your place. His blood flowed in your place. And that's why you and I praise him with this new song, with all of our heart, loudly and joyfully. Now, when do we sing the new song? Yes, of course, the new song should be sung by Christians at church when we're together at church. I may have hated choir, but I love to sing with my church. And it's one of the, the very sad things about not being able to meet right now. We can't sing songs of praises together. Psalm 42 talks about the, the sadness of not being able to gather with God's people to praise God together. These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one, with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. But the new song is not just for singing at church. It's a song that can be sung and that must be sung at all times. My grandma loved music. And she loved to sing and she sang all the time. And my granddad used to say, I love to hear her sing. In fact, if she wasn't singing, then that showed that there was something wrong. 
The Christian is always singing, always singing this new song about Jesus Christ and his love for us and how he has redeemed us from, from the punishment that we deserved for our sin. As we read Revelation 14, we are urged to sing. Sing that new song as loud as rushing waters and pealing thunder. Sing that new song that looks back to Jesus' death and resurrection. Sing the new song of the 144,000 who bear the Father's name. Sing the new song because he has redeemed you from judgment. Sing that new song always. If you're a Christian, sing that new song to those around you. You can always tell what is most important to people, can't you? It's the things that they talk about all the time. Some people are always talk talking about the football or talking about coffee or talking about their family or even talking about themselves. The Christian loves to talk about Jesus Christ. Talk of Jesus bubbles up out of them like a freshwater spring. He is what they will talk about just as soon as you let them say what they want to say. They will always want to bring the conversation back around to him. Sing the new song about Jesus to those around you. Take every opportunity to talk about Christ and who he is and, and what he has done for you. Let others hear about his love and his mercy and grace. And don't just sing that song when things are going well. Sing that new song in your troubles. You see, Jesus is not just our fair weather, fair weather friend, is he? Our entire life is in his hands, and we can praise him and rejoice in him in all circumstances. Because we know to be true what Paul said in Romans 8, verse 28. We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And we can say with Paul in Philippians chapter 4, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed well -fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. We can sing that new song even in our troubles. I'll go further than that. We can and we should sing that new song, even in times of despair. In his hours of darkest despair, David didn't stop singing to the Lord. Instead, he sang to the Lord about his despair. We see an example of that in Psalm 142, which was written by David when he was in the cave. He was on the run from Saul. And it was one of the darkest times in his life, a time of real loneliness and despair. And he kept singing. 
And he sang this. I cry aloud to the Lord. I lift up my voice to the Lord for mercy. I pour out my complaint before him. Before him, I tell him my trouble. When my spirit grows faint within me, it is you who know my way. Listen to my cry, for I am in desperate need. Notice that David poured out his complaint before the Lord. He poured out his troubles. He didn't keep silent about them. A Christian doesn't stop singing in times of despair. We sing about our despair. Sometimes the new song is sung in a minor key and with tears in our eyes. But don't forget that, that even Jesus sang at the darkest hour of his life. Even Jesus sang, as it were, the words of Psalm 22 upon the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Brothers and sisters, Jesus doesn't want to hear your pious prayers. He wants to hear your honest prayers. And as we lift up our despair before the Lord, we will see and remember that nothing can separate us from his love and that his grace is sufficient for all of our needs. And we will see that he purifies us and transforms us, not in spite of suffering, but through suffering, transforming us into the likeness of his Son. Sing the new song, even in times of persecution. When we're oppressed, harassed, or ridiculed for our faith, it's so tempting, isn't it, to want to respond in kind. Instead, may the new song of Christ well up in our hearts, the new song of Christ and his love. As we look back at the history of the church, we read that many Christian martyrs sang, literally sang, as they went to their deaths. And many people saw that, and it had a powerful effect on those who heard their songs. And it will have a powerful effect today when we respond to persecution with love and peace and praises to God. And when we express love, even for those who hate us, persecute us. Jesus said, didn't he, near the start of the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, he said, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. In fact, we must sing the new song, even when it comes time to die. We'll always remember our brother Paul Fenton, won't we? Only two weeks before he died, when he was too frail to do very much for himself, he went to enormous effort 
to get himself to church. And his wonderful family helped him to do that. And we remember him on that day, lying down at the back of church, listening to God's praises and joining in with those praises. And about two weeks later, he died literally singing songs of praise to the Lord. That's why Revelation 14 verse 13 says, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. They are the happy ones on this earth. They are the ones that we ought to congratulate. They die without fear and with joyful expectation, knowing that to live is Christ and to die is gain. Yes, says the Spirit in Revelation 14 verse 13, they will rest from their labour for their deeds will follow them. I hope you can see from Revelation 14 what this new song is. It's the song of Jesus' love for us. It's the song of his redemption. And Revelation 14 urges us to sing that new song with all our heart and with enthusiasm like rushing water and loud peals of crashing thunder. Sing that song in your joy, but sing that new song also in your suffering and your despair. Sing the new song now and sing the new song when it comes time for you to die and when the Lord is calling you home. And let's praise God that we will be singing that new song together forever and ever in heaven before the throne and in the presence of God and the Lamb who was slain for our sins. Let's go now singing that new song of praise to our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.